Do you know what today is? Easter. Do you know what Easter is about? Do you know what resurrection proves to us? Do you know what the Son of God has brought us? That's right, that's right. You are good. If you want to listen to 30-second message, I am done. That's the essence of God's today's message. In fact, that's the essence of the entire book, to know that God sent his son, and the son died for you and I, and he was risen. When he did all that, he brought us a gift called grace. The gift of grace that gives us the power not only to know him, but to be able to be saved so that we will be called his children. That's what being a Christian is all about. Easter, as we celebrate, what we ought to remember, in addition to the facts, in addition to the actual meaning of Easter, we need to understand what it means to us. Yes, yes. Grace means what God has done for us. But what it means is this. Jesus died on the cross just three days ago. That's a fact. But what did he die with himself? He died with your weaknesses, sufferings, challenges, iniquities in our sins. Not from two, three thousand years ago. Not from beginning of the time, even today. Even though he died, as a matter of fact, 2,000 years ago, he dies every single day for us. For the sins that we committed, not 2,000 years ago, but yesterday and today, he dies on the cross. But the fact that we celebrate His resurrection, him being restored to life, we celebrate the fact that we now have hope. The sins of yesterday, sufferings of yesterday, can be restored within ourselves, within us, even today. And that's the grace, it continues. Because we are just one weak human beings. We get to do the good things, and next day, tomorrow, we sin again. And then we fall. But because of grace, because of his has risen, he'll restore us again and again. We've been studying the book of Mark. The entire 16 chapters, and we are concluding today. 
So what was the entire book of Mark so about? If you remember two things that I've been emphasizing every single message is so that it just, just gets to be engraved in your hearts and minds. And that is about the grace of God. The book of Mark is trying to tell us the power of grace God and also the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. It's a, it's a significant declaration. It's for us, it's easy. Yeah, he's Son of God, but think about 2,000 years ago. Who did not have this kind of a New Testament to, to show as a document, as a fact that this happened? They're the one who, they're the basically uh, author witness of what actually happened. They were uncertain. Even during the time of resurrection, they were uncertain. So if you look at the timeline, Jesus dies on the cross called crucifixion. Three days that we celebrate today, there is a resurrection. He is risen. And in terms of timeline, and Jesus resurrects and he stays with his people for 40 days to continue to go on and show that I am resurrected, meaning I am the Son of God. There were some people, even the disciples, in fact, most of them in the beginning, they were alarmed. They weren't sure, sure. But another major event takes place. It's called ascension. Then Jesus rises to heaven, further convicting the people that he is truly son of God. Yeah, you can say somebody's son of God who rises with the cloud to the sky. Only God can do. So therefore, Jesus is the son of God. Not only that, Jesus commands as he goes up, I will send you Holy Ghost. I will send you power. I will give you the boldness. I will give you the courage. Stay in this attic for some time until I come back as Holy Ghost, as Holy Spirit, as a power. And they waited. You will see that in the book of Acts chapter 2. They waited in one place. They ate together. They prayed together. They shared together. They did everything together. One thing they had was the unity. Isn't that something we all long for? Whether it's a church, whether it's our family. Oh, my goodness, our families are broken. There's no unity. Church, many churches don't have the unity. Oh, my goodness, that's what we face. The government, our country, there's no unity. That's what we long for. And God says, stay together and have everything in common. And that's when they did that. There was outpouring of the Holy Spirit in 10 days. They were speaking in different languages, different tongues. They received the power. They got the boldness. They got the courage. And they went out and preached and spread the good news of grace. 
What is important for us to remember today as we conclude the book of March, we're not just going to talk about resurrection. You know why? All those things that happened in the past in his ministry. Let's say starting with the uh, healing of the sick. Doing all that kind of stuff that he did. What does it all mean? His death, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension to heaven, and coming down of the Holy Spirit. You may say that there are different events. Yes, there are technically different events, but theologically, when it comes under the power of grace, it's one event. It's one event. You cannot do without any one of those events and to make it complete. Yeah, when you go to a wedding, you know, there's a wedding ceremony and there's a wedding reception. It's a two event, two different places. But it's one event. Some weddings, obviously, you don't even have to attend the reception. You can separate it, but not in this case. Crucifixion, resurrection, ascension of the power of the Holy Spirit coming to save us all. It's one event. That's what we need to remember. That's what God was teaching us. What does it all show us? All those events. Yes, from the healing of the sick at the beginning of his ministry to telling what grace is through the parables, him riding donkey to Jerusalem, then overturning the tables at the temple and to cursing the fig tree and being persecuted, being sentenced to death, being crucified, and to resurrection, and finally ascension. What does it all prove? Number one, he is son of a God. Two, all these things happen to give us the free gift of grace. And three, lastly, to give us the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God desires us to do. Next series, we're going to talk about what God desires us to do. We've been talking about verse 2. The deity of the Christ, that he is truly the Son of God. The grace, what do we do with the grace? We will talk about that. So going back to the book, on chapter 16 specifically, on the resurrection day, this amazing thing happened. But the people, disciples, they were alarmed and they were scared. Three days after his death, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, went to tomb with the spice to anoint Jesus' body. But to their surprise, the heavy stone that covered the stone tomb were rolled away. It was removed. To their shock, they're wondering as to whom I have done it. But they walked into the tomb anyways to give the spice to anoint Jesus. But they found no Jesus in the tomb. Instead, there was a young man dressed in a white robe. Mark 16, 
Verse 8. This young man with a white robe said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified? Yeah, but he is risen. He's not here. See the place where he was laid. He's not there. So therefore, go tell his people, his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you so. And this woman, when they heard this, they were trembling. And they went out and fled the tomb because they were scared. And they said nothing. Kind of sad, right? They knew about it. But when it really happened, they were afraid. They said nothing. I'm sure they were think, talking to each other, to Mary's. You know, is that, could this be true? I know he said that he'll rise in three days. Could it be true? In verse 9, Jesus knew that they were scared. So Jesus appears to wonder Mary personally. And once Mary Magdalene sees Jesus physically, she got excited. Now she believes. And then she went to others. But you know what? The others didn't believe. You know who the others are? They're disciples who've been with him for years together. They've seen everything. They still won't believe. So if you have some friends don't believe you, don't be discouraged. Mark 16, chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 10 through 11. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. So these disciples, even though not so sure, they were weeping because his, their teacher had just died. So Mary madly shows up, hey guys, guess what? No, she didn't, I'm sure she didn't say guess what. <laughs> it's, it's our phrase of saying something like, it's real. You say, I was, I was about to say, guess what again? He appears and she appears and says, you know what? It's true. I saw Jesus. He was physically standing in front of me. Verse 11. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they still did not believe it. I was wondering if that's still who we are. We may acknowledge Christ Jesus. We may be here. Do you really believe? I'm not talking about believing in the facts. I'm talking about believing that Jesus still can raise you up today. Not just 2,000 years ago, but individually. Every single one of you, whatever challenge you have, 
He can restore you. He can lift you up. That's what we need to believe, and we need to walk. We need to move forward. What does it really take to believe? My wife, Janet, just came back from Korea. She was visiting ailing father. And there's a heavy heart in her, in, in, in her that she wanted her, two of her brothers to believe. Her mother and father were saved. They believed. The two younger brothers are still not a believer. She was praying and praying. Okay, I'm going over there for my sick and ailing father to visit her father. But I want to hope to talk to them and to encourage them that our Savior lives. What does it take for one to believe? Still, she tried, but no success. She was crushed. She wanted to be able to tell her father, you're the other two sons being saved. It will be the, the most greatest gift to Erling father. Verse 12, after Jesus appearing to Mother uh, Mary Madeline, because others were not believing, so Jesus decided that he'll go and uh, appear before two more of his disciples. So he did. And two more disciples got excited, went to the other, the rest of disciples, not saying, guess what, saying, you know what? It's true. He is risen. Chapter 16, verse 14. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. The point is this. We cannot do it. We cannot do it. We try to convince, we try to tell people, we try to explain the work of God, the grace of God. But in addition to what we do, God has to send his power. And our job is to believe in that power. The power will come in his time. So that we are not anxious. We have to believe that God is going to touch these people. That God will come down and pour out his Holy Spirit. The timeline that I showed earlier on the slide, at that time, the power of the Holy Spirit has not come yet. That's perhaps why, unless they saw Jesus physically, they weren't able to believe. Only the ones who have seen Jesus physically believed. Perhaps because pen, the Holy Cause has not come down yet. I'm not so sure, but I believe that perhaps was the case, might be the case. But the true fact is that 10 days after he ascended to heaven, 
He told, wait here. And they waited. I will send you power of the Holy Spirit. And then 10 days later, time of a jubilee, Holy Spirit came down onto all those who were gathered. And they went out and preached the gospel. And they would be able to bore. They received everything. Thus, we are, have received in the same way. With the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, at that time, when Jesus showed up, Jesus reminded them. Now, in the Mark, it doesn't go into detail, but the other Gospels go into all the details. Look, uh, chapter 24, verse 44 through 49. He said to them, that's it, Jesus is saying, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and Psalms. It was meant to be. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. It was foretold in the New Testament. This will happen, and it happened. Then Jesus, they, he opened their minds so they could understand the Scripture. Jesus began to open their minds. And I pray that God will open your mind right now. Jesus began to open their mind to understand the scripture, to understand the messages. He told them, this is what is written. Saying, this is it, guys. I didn't just come up here and say, I'm the one. I said, this has been foretold. And this is what is written. The Christ was suffered and rise from the dead on the third day. Here I am. Third day, I'm risen. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's grace he's talking about. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. That's grace that Jesus is, is talking about. The fact that he will suffer, he will rise, only God can do. Talking about deity of Christ, that he is truly the son of God. And telling them, you guys are the witnesses of these things. Verse 49, that's the assurance, that's the comfort that we have. He said, I am going to send you... What my Father has promised, this is a promise not only to Jesus, it's a promise to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. What has he promised? Stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. Ten days later, Holy Spirit, outpour all the people who are gathered. Clearly, here Jesus is talking about the grace and the power. What is so interesting, after Jesus said these words, after Jesus appeared before them, as soon as Jesus was convinced that everyone who had gathered had a conviction that Jesus is Son of God, He is the Son of God, they said, now we believe, now we believe, there, from that point on, there was no more discussion from Jesus. Hey, what do you think, guys? 
I am alive. He didn't do any of that kind of stuff. He went into the authority mode. He went to as a God, as a, as a true uh, a Messiah, Christ, as true God. He is in what so-called, he goes right to command mode. No more explaining. He's done enough of that for the entire book of Mark. Now I have risen. I am truly now the son of God. He goes right to command mode. What does it say? Mark 16, 15. He said to them, Jesus said to them, go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. It's not just simple encouragement. It's a command. Go and do it. Shut up and go and do it. At that time, you know, there was no denominations. And that's why we're not denominational. There was no denomination. There's no set of rules. There's no regulations. There was no particular uh, style of doing church or, or doing preaching or doing praise. None of this stuff. They only had what? They only had a grace and believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. To them, grace is sufficient. Have you heard that before somewhere? Yes. Grace is sufficient. You don't need all the other parameters. If you came to Good Friday service three days ago, you have heard this uh, humor, but somewhat true humor, uh, mentioned by our very own pastor, uh, Tom, when he gave a message. He was talking about, and I was really touched, he was talking about um, uh, the godly man and woman, not in the Bible, but here. It says, uh, who was the founder of a Methodist? Well, John Wesley. Who was the founder of a Presbyterian? John Calvin. Yes. So, he decides to point out John Calvin because a lot of us from the beginning of our church, we are, most of us are from Presbyterian at that time. So John Calvin somehow ends up going to heaven. So he made it through the grace, I suppose. So went to the heaven and he was really curious. He went to an angel. He asked politely, did all Presbyterian people made to heaven? And angel said, no. What about others? How about Methodists? There's no Methodists in heaven. Oh, what about then Catholics? There are no Catholics in heaven. And John Calvin was shocked. How could it be? Then he Gently whispered to angel, well then, who came to heaven? And the angel responded, only Christians. Only Christians. Only Christians who have received grace by believing that Jesus, as the Son of God, has risen. That's all it takes, folks. So here's how to receive grace. Here's how to be saved by grace. 
course, by faith. Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, you remember in chapter either uh, 13 or uh, 14, Jesus rides donkey to Jerusalem. And in his way, he was hungry. He saw the fig tree, hoping to catch some fruits and satisfy his hunger. When he got there, there was no fruit. And what did Jesus do? Up until time, Jesus was loving Jesus, talk about grace in a very, very eloquent and uh, uh, comforting way through the parables. He healed all kinds of sick people. It was all about love, love, love. And, and then when he saw this victory with no fruit, what did he do? He didn't say, I'll bless this tree so I can have more fruits. He did not do that. He had a message for us. He cursed the fig tree, and fig tree died, whittled away. He's reiterating that statement here. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned, will be whittled, will be cursed. Thank God, he's saying, is going to lift you up with his power. Verse 17. And these signs, what are these signs? Signs that comes with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. That's why we pray to drive out demons. Even depressions, even anxieties, even fears. We need to pray for those things will be depart from our body. That's why we place our hands when we pray for one another. Nothing strange about it. It's just right here how to do it. Pray for one another because when we pray, we don't pray with my power, my power, we'll pray with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not so sure about picking up the snake. I don't want to, I don't like snakes. I don't pick up the snakes. But the point is, even if there's dirty things, even if there's bad things, even if the things that you're scared, you go and touch them. God is not going to hurt you because God is helping you to not only defend and to be able to effectively minister. Then he was taken up, declaring truly that he is the Son of God. Verse 19, after the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Who does that? Only Son of God does that, sitting next to God. Nobody else. Then the disciples did what all that was commended. 
Verse 20, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his words by the sign, the power that accompanied it. That is the story behind chapter 16, the concluding chapter of the book of Mark. It's concluding because it is now finished with telling us what the grace is, telling us that God, that Jesus was truly the Son of God. Now to those of us who have received and believe, how do we apply this to our real life? That's what God wants us to do. Don't just rely on what he did 2,000 years ago. You already received that as a free gift. Now we've got to do something about it. One of the ways is, what is one thing that, we, that you are willing to sacrifice? The resurrection happened because he sacrificed on the cross. What is something in your life right now you're willing to sacrifice? And when you sacrifice something, and when you believe in the resurrection, when you sacrifice something, you will experience resurrection in your life just as well. I'm not talking about Jesus' resurrection. That's already happened. We already received grace. A few days ago, Luke and I were talking about this subject concerning the time. So Luke Acri, our friend here, remember, he went to visit his family in Virginia. He's working day and night. So we're just comforting each other. Tim, you're busy. I'm busy. How do we find the time? There's just not enough time. That's when I shared with him. I find time by sacrificing, but then I experience the resurrection. So what do you mean? I said priorities. For me, what matters the most in my life is not business, but it's about loving others as yourself. If I have two decisions that I need to make between the two, I always choose this. That's what God says to do. Business is just for livelihood, to put food on the table. I consider the ministry over business, but yet my ministry, my business is not just a business, it's a ministry. How do we find time? I find time more or less by believing that when I sacrifice five hours of my time, even though I don't have a time, obeying what God has said to do, I believe, I know I believe, if I sacrifice my five hours of my time, even though I don't have it, up from this so-called other hecticness of life, if I sacrifice five hours, I believe, and I know God's going to help me to experience the resurrection experienced me to live that I am going to be able to save five hours in multiple in this place. 
In other words, if I want to run a business, if I want to raise, if I want to do something, I can go work hard, 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 and, and spend to get a new, a new project for the business. Usually you have to spend hundreds, sometimes 200 hours to get a big project. I believe that if I spend my five hours here, God's going to give me a new job, spending far less time than 200 hours. That's how I know I save my time. You know what Luke said? I receive it, he says. <laughs> I receive it. That's the faith now, how we apply. The grace that we have received, this is how we apply into real time. Juliana is sitting here. She doesn't like me to talk about it. She knows I'm behind the budget, but she'll be the first one to tell. She told me so, so I'm going to say this. My dad is busy, but he never says no when I ask him to spend some time with him. So I'm saying in front of her, so I know uh, you can tell me it's no if you want to. But that's what I believe. If I spend time from hecticness of life, then God's going to save me lots of time from this place. But you've got to get the priority straight. So do you believe that if you sacrifice five hours Hours, for as an example, that will please God, that God is going to in turn save you many, many, many hours, unexpected hours, from the other hecticness of your life. Do you believe that? Yes, that's the faith. That's the faith. If you sacrifice, resurrection happened because there was sacrifice. Without resurrection, there would have been no, without sacrifice, there would have been no resurrection. If you sacrifice, God will save and restore your time elsewhere. And that's what I believe. That's why I don't say to any of you when you ask me, I don't have a time. If you ever heard me say, I don't have a time, you can come and punch me in the stomach. I just don't. It is you who say, Tim, don't have a time. The most important biblical lesson for the entire book of Mark and the resurrection that we celebrate today is this. The cross, the resurrection, ascension, Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is one single event. You cannot separate it. You cannot just celebrate the joy of resurrection. You must also embrace the cross. 
And you must also have hope for ascension to be lifted up, that we may be able to call victory in his name. Together, all those cross, resurrection, ascension, pentacle, all those together, they spell one word, and that's called grace. Together, all those different events that, that makes up one event, all those together, they prove that Jesus is truly the Son of God. And as we move forward the next several months with our messages to dwell upon, we're going to be studying about grace applied. And I need your help. Two ways you can help me. One is write me a page long, your testimony how you were able to receive grace and or send me your testimony how you were able to apply that grace and experience your own resurrection in your life and the others. Because if you know all the facts about the grace but we don't apply that grace onto others, it really is meaningless in this world. That's why the Bible says everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless unless we dwell in Him, unless we apply what we have received, the free gift of God, the grace.